Hi, I'm Clement Liu. Welcome to the second season of Just Sustainability. Cape de Roses does many things. He's an award-winning singer and dancer. He tours the powwow circuit with his group, the Northern Wind Singers. He does translations and voiceovers for the Aboriginal People's Television Network. He teaches Anishinaabe Moan, as well as traditional song and dance at the University of Minnesota Morris. And he runs an Anishinaabe immersion summer camp. All these things are united by a common theme, the revitalization and reclamation of Anishinaabe language and life ways. Two things that Gabe routinely reminds me are inextricably tied. But enough of me talking. Here's how Gabe introduces himself. I think uh, as a Anishinaabe uh, person, um, uh, first and foremost is is when we introduce ourselves, we mm-hmm. we say it in our language. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I just uh, uh, told that I have three uh, Anishinaabe names, mm-hmm. um, and I'm from the Bear Clan. Yeah. Uh, from the uh, northwestern Ontario uh, region, yeah, uh, in Canada, yeah. So that's where I that's where I come from. That's where I originate from. Could you explain the introduction? Because I think a lot of people might not understand how the introduction works and like why why then like introducing yourself in that way is particularly important for Anishinaabe people. I think um, historically it, it, it was done. Uh, out of respect, mm-hmm. but also to uh, uh, make it known what clan you were from. Right. You know, uh, uh, back in history, we traveled in, in we come from a, a, a clan system. Mm-hmm. And so we traveled in clans, uh, uh, just relatives, right. uh, extended family. We only met up with other uh, uh, clan systems, which uh, we were not related to during certain times of, of the year. Right. Uh, um, uh, summer gatherings and th- those types of things. And so, um, um, and it was a time for courtship for, oh, okay. for our people. Oh, okay. So it, w- it was a way to uh, control, um, to prevent uh, uh, um, uh, inner family relationships. And, right, right, right. You know, not marrying into relatives. <laughs> right. So those it's types. important to know what clan, yeah. because clan could represent yeah. family. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so, um, um, introductions uh, were important, and, sure. and they still are. Right. Uh, 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 just to um, um, make it known where an individual comes from. Yeah. Uh, uh, what clan, uh, uh, types of Indian names that they carry. Right. Uh, and that's out of respect also. Right. To, to have that, you know, those, to always remember the kinship ties and, and, uh, some areas we say all all my relatives. Right. Yeah. All my relatives. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Look, so I've talked to other people, and the so one thing that's come up is the, is the difference in the way of conceiving about how to introduce yourself, right? So mm-hmm. if you're looking at sort of Western European sort of ways, of, it's very individualistic, yes. right? It's like, yes. I yeah. am. Yeah. Yeah, whoever, and then with the Anishinaabe folks and like Dakota folks, it's a lot more about who you are in the context of a community. Absolutely, and um, as a matter of fact, in my uh, introduction of Anishinaabe language course, yeah, 
that is one of the uh, uh, the things that we cover uh, in terms of the midterm and the final exams. Right. Is the importance and knowing um, uh, the Anishinaabe introduction. Right. That's one of the tasks uh, the students have to huh. uh, accomplish uh, to have success in that in that course. So right, right, yeah. Our discussion about how Gabe introduces himself led me to ask about Anishinaabe language, and that led us to an extended conversation about the ties between language and Indigenous lifeways, which revealed even more about who Gabe is and the work that he engages in. Here's that conversation. This actually leads me to one of the things I wanted to ask you about. So. Uh, language. So um, you do many things. Uh, one of the things you do is you're a language teacher, an Anishinaabe language teacher. Um, from you know our conversation in the past, it seems really clear to me the way you think of knowledge, uh, language is it's really important as a way of thinking about culture. So could you say a little bit about like the relationship between language and culture? So like for example, when you're talking about your class right now, you're mm-hmm. talking about how. One of the real important things is knowing how to appropriately introduce yourself. Yes, right. Yeah. And so I, I think that's that's different from uh, you know some language instructors. Right, a French mm-hmm. instructor is never going to like place an emphasis on like you know yeah. je m'appelle Clement. Yeah. The je m'appelle part is really important. Yeah. But so uh, it seems to me when you're thinking about teaching language, you're thinking a lot about culture and like the mm-hmm. cultural appropriateness of using language in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Well, um, language, um, for Anishinaabe people is, is, is central mm-hmm. to identifying who you are. Right. Uh, language and culture are, 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 go hand in hand. Okay. Uh, and everything that we do in Anishinaabe life way, every piece is a part of the whole. Okay. And so, um, we have, uh, language programs not only here, but across the country. Yeah. And a lot of times, um, there's a misconception that language is separated from culture, okay. or, or or culture is, is uh, considered like a religion, okay, or song and dance is a religion, okay. And that's a, a really big misconception because they all go hand in hand, okay. and our way of life is not a religion. You know, or our ceremonies are not a religion. Our song and dances are not a religion. It's a way of life. Sure. It's, 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 it's part of that natural law. You know, mm-hmm. the, the creator, uh, uh, gave us these rights and bestowed upon us the, uh, uh, the gift of language, the mm-hmm. gift of ceremony, the gift of, for example, the, uh, seven grandfather teachings, mm-hmm. the gift of ceremony. You know, they all go hand in hand. Yeah. And nothing is separated. And uh, a lot of times I find that uh, people think it's separated, and it's not. Right. That's, a, that's a misconception. And I always make it a point to when I, especially to my students, for my students, I, I, I always make sure that even though we talk about spirituality yeah. in this class, it goes hand in hand with the language. So... Right. You know, um, don't be confused. Don't have that misconception. It's a part of that. Right. It's a part of that. So, so could you say a bit how, like, how the two inform each other, right? How culture and language, right? Why is it important to understand culture when you're learning the language? So they're tied together, but, mm-hmm. right? How, like, can you say more about how they're tied together? Well, um, 
for example, ceremony. Sure. Uh, we have people who are gifted in, in that area. They're mm-hmm. practitioners in a sense. Mm-hmm. And so, um, uh, when they conduct a ceremony, we call it doctoring also. Okay. Um, one of the things is that that person needs to have that knowledge of language. Right. We have the spirituality. We, we are spiritually based. Uh-huh. But we have these, this belief system that in order to um, uh, um, connect with the spirit world, hmm. um, we have to be able to speak the language okay. to that realm. Okay. That's the only way that they can connect with us and understand us is through that language. Right. So in everything that we do, we have to have that language. We have to use that language in those types of situations. Right. Whereas um, modern day power, we don't have that anymore. Right. We have a lot of the people have uh, have have lost the language. Right. Uh, they don't. They don't uh, understand a lot of times the connections because of of the history that we've been through. The yeah. historical tra- traumas and. Mm. Boarding school and, you know, you name it. Uh, uh, native people have been traumatized by that and, and, and thus with that have lost, uh, the languages, have lost the really important cultural teachings that, that once, uh, thrived within, within our people. Yeah. For example, um, the seven, uh, grandfather teachings were taught early. Right. As, as a child growing up. Yeah. And those were like a guideline or a pathway to uh, to uh, that growth, that understanding. Yeah. Can you say something about the, the Seven Grandfather Teachings? Because I suspect a lot of people who might be listening to this would not yes, know those. Yes. Um, seven Grandfather Teachings were passed on through visions and dreams, uh, uh, connections, yeah. uh, ceremony. And, and they include uh, uh, things like uh, strength. Okay. Uh, belief, mm. um, uh, to be intellectually smart, to, to be brave, to, to love. Um, those are some of the, uh, teachings that, that were given to the people. And with each, uh, teaching, uh, it, it is not, it does not only have like one meaning, it has, it could be hundreds of meanings yeah. uh, for the uh, grandfather teaching of love, for mm-hmm. example. It's not like loving in a relationship only. It, 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 it's a whole list of, 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 of understanding there right. that, that's included. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, it seems like a lot of what you've been saying is how all these things are related. So I guess the thing that makes sense for me to ask you about with the, the number of things you do, how do you see those things as being related, right? So like you're a, you're a singer, you're a dancer, uh, you do voiceovers for TV, right? You do translations for TV. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you're a language teacher. Can you yeah. say like, right? So that's a, a really kind of a broad range of things. You're in many ways very much a polymath. You, you do a whole bunch of things mm-hmm. that to someone who might not actually know you might not they seem really like separate and disconnected. Yeah. But I actually think for you, they are really sort of all deeply interwoven. Mm -hmm. Could you say more about like 
how you understand the the various things that you do and how they're tied together? Yes. Um, I always give credit to um, my relatives. Sure. Uh, my uh, grandparents and you know ancestors that have passed on uh-huh. that have given me the gift of song. You know, when I was uh, five years old, around that time, I went to my first powwow, and it was in a in a wooded area, and there was a clearing there, and all of a sudden there was this arbor, mm-hmm. this uh, traditional uh, um, um, dance grounds, you know, sacred grounds, and I remember listening to the drums, and I remember listening to the elders walking around with their pipe, mm-hmm. telling stories. Uh, 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 telling stories of, of courage and strength, telling stories of 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 of, of life, uh-huh. life teachings, and passing it on to to us. We were just young, uh-huh. and I remember them singing. And I remember going home that that time. I was only a young boy, uh-huh. and I remember going home and singing those songs. Yeah, and no one taught me. I just picked it up. And so later in life, I began to realize and understand that spirit, that spiritual connection that I had, that gift of song that was given to me. Uh-huh. And that, you know, uh, I learned that very early. And so, um, I come from a, a, a traditional, uh, family. My grandfather was a, a, a singer, uh-huh. a grass dancer. Uh, he held a, a traditional drum. Uh-huh. He had uh, um, um, songs, gift of song. Mm. He was a healer, a faith healer, if you will. Mm-hmm. He had all these things that he did, you know, as 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 a, as a, a human being himself. That he served the people and and, and so forth. And so, um, I remember that. I, I remember the importance of 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 being grounded very early. I I learned at an early age the um uh the one of the grandfather teachings uh the basendizwin uh-huh. that's what the word is the basendizwin means to have humility to be able to be humble <coughs> excuse me yeah. to be humble uh about everything in life and also one of the uh, uh things that I learned early on is uh, is Manach Itiwin is is a word that means respect, and I learned that through uh, watching my parents. Uh, or uh, they always said, "Don't ever uh, say anything bad or do anything bad to people, no matter who who they are or where they come from." So we learned all these things early on, and um, and as we grew up, we it, it was instilled in us, and mm-hmm. it still is today. So those those were very important in terms of of, of of learning early, understanding early what you know what things are about in life. Mm. You know that we come from a very mysterious. Uh, uh, we come from uh, a mysterious background. You know, it's a mysterious world. Right, right. Into this into this physical world. Okay. And so um, we we learn on all that, and so throughout my life. You know, I became involved uh, in music. Yeah. Um, I started composing music when I was about 20, maybe a little older. Uh, Anishinaabe uh, lyrics and, 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 and so forth. 
And so um, somehow that that became popular. Uh-huh. And uh, um, lucky enough, I was be, I was able to be invited to many powwows, you know, uh-huh. many celebrations, many events um, here in North America. Uh-huh. And then um, it it just kind of like grew from there. Uh-huh. I became a member of a couple of dance uh, theaters which uh, has allowed me to um, travel the world, mm. uh, sing for to sing and dance. Mm. And, you know, I would have never thought just singing and dancing would allow me to be able to travel, right. you know, all over the world to, to, uh, to teach, to uh, educate. Yeah. Um, and that's what it, was, it, it has been about for me, is to educate uh, people about the rich history of, of Anishinaabe song and dance, mm-hmm. the origins, you know, the foundations and, and the belief systems and, and everything that's attached to that. Right. Uh, so the, the, uh, I've been doing that a lot. Uh, then um, um, I started to teach the language, you know, uh, and that happened accidentally. You know? <laughs> Can you say more about that? How, yeah. Does, yeah. how do you accidentally yeah. start doing that? I, uh, I am, I am a non-traditional student. Right. And so when I started going back to school, I started to get these opportunities to go into the classroom more. Right. And um, uh, when I uh, finished in at the University of uh, Minnesota, Duluth, uh-huh. I got an invitation to here at UMN to, to, to teach the language. Right. And I've never taught the language, you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, it just kind of made sense. Because I'm a first speaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're one of the very few people I know that have yeah. spoken like since you were a child. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm very fortunate about that, and I feel very lucky that that uh, I was able to, you know, retain that mm-hmm. uh, in in our life and and be part of that that language. You know, I'm always grateful. I think pretty much every day I I put that tobacco down and mm-hmm. and, and say a prayer. And I give thanks for that language that right. is still here, and that I'm able to uh, teach it here on campus. And not only here, I, I travel to uh, different communities and you know different events, and, and I consult. And one of the things that have have led my teaching was uh, into the media, okay. media yeah, yeah. Uh, circles. And so I've done um, uh, voiceovers for uh, a couple of. Uh, TV programs in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, been able to uh, do a lot of that voiceover work, translation work, um, and 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 so forth. And it has been uh, a really good experience doing that. Um, but I think the reason, you know, why I do these things, um, to teach, to to uh, support um, programs that uh, that encourage language mm-hmm. revitalization is that mm-hmm. we need to um, um, save the language. Everyone says that we need to save our languages, mm-hmm. and I think uh, using the media platform is is one way, mm-hmm. and also uh, going into classrooms is another way, and um, also I guess the importance of immersion programs. Uh, we have an immersion program here at the University of Minnesota Morse where 
we are on our fifth year of that and it's been very successful. And um, a lot of the things for me just boil down to saving the language, mm. being able to uh, pass on pass on some of the the uh, experience and knowledge that people need to know. Mm-hmm. We need to we need to do everything that that we can to you know help that process. Talking about Gabe's work, let me to ask about how Gabe conceptualizes saving indigenous languages and what saving indigenous languages looks like practically speaking. That question spurred Gabe to offer a list of outcomes that he thinks should be outcomes that we should aim for, the role of grandparents and elders in teaching language and culture, and teaching language in the context of a society where one's language is not commonly spoken. When you talk about saving the language, what does that practically look like, right? So, like, in the, in the language of higher ed, like, what are the right, the objectives or outcomes mm-hmm. that you think need to be achieved. Yeah. And then um, what do you, you think are some of the important pieces of work that need to be done to, to achieve those sort of objectives and outcomes? Yes. I think um, one of the things that, that is important to, to achieve that mm-hmm. is to create uh, more immersion for, for, for students. Mm-hmm. Um, and how does that look like? You know, I have a a, a new grandson, mm-hmm. and uh, they live with us, him, him and his mother. Mm-hmm. And um, so I have an opportunity every day to to use that language. Mm-hmm. And so I've, it has become a practice for me to to immerse him in the language and the language exclusively. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the only way. That's the that's the only way I communicate with him. Oh, okay. It is uh, exclusively Anishinaabemwe. Yeah, yeah. I never speak to him in English every day since he was born. Okay. I've made it, uh, uh, you know, a pact for myself to do that. Yeah. And when doing that, um, or even before I did that, I started having the this thought that if I immerse him enough, if mm-hmm. I practice this, you know, enough. Mm-hmm. I think I can. I would be able to create a speaker. Yeah. No, it's interesting you, you do that. Cause, uh, yeah. So my grandparents did a very simple thing for me. So yeah. my f- family immigrated to Canada, the United States from, from ch- like China, like mm-hmm. part of it a very long time ago. And so they speak, um, a language that I don't think is very common anymore, right? With the, the communist revolution and like the shifting yeah. to like Mandarin. Yeah. So they speak, uh, a, a, a language that is also dying out, mm-hmm. and I think is really only spoken in a few enclaves in North America from those from those immigrants. Mm-hmm. And my grandparents have very intentionally throughout my entire life refused to speak to me in English. Mm. And so, like wow. they they will o- they've only spoken to me in Chinese, uh, like wow. in that that language. And I actually can understand one of the I think very few people around that can. Mm-hmm. My siblings can't because they didn't spend as much time with my grandparents. Um, Are you able to speak? I am able to speak not very well, but I understand it fairly yeah. fluently. Yeah, yeah. And so, I, yeah, so I think yeah. that strategy works, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. you know, my grandparents they did that, like, with me, and it worked. And yeah. I think so you doing that with your grandson uh, yeah. will probably lead him to be able to, to right, understand and speak. Yes, right? yes. Because I, I think, you know, I, I think if you live in a world where everybody speaks English, it you might not have the same amount of fluency. Because I, I suspect when you grew up, in your household, everybody spoke that. Your probably mm-hmm. your neighbors also spoke Anishinaabe, or at least some of them. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I think you have a, a fluency that's born from 
being able to use it a lot growing mm-hmm. up. I, I don't, I think that'd be more challenging for your grandson, but I think even just having someone in their family that refuses to speak to them in any other yeah. language, between an issue, no pain moment, that will help him. Yeah, I yeah, suspect. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I am hoping and, and, and praying that, um, I, I can be, uh, I can create that impact for him. Yeah. In, in that positive way and, and picking up the language anyway. So far, so good. Yeah. You know, he, um, right now he responds to me, uh, the most than other ones, even, you know. Yeah. Um, aside from his mother. Yeah. And when he hears that language, he just You're lights right. up. Yeah, he lights up, and it, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. How, how fluent are your kids? They're not. Okay. And that's one of the biggest things that I, I, I regret in my life. Yeah. Why didn't I do, something to them. do you know, the same thing to them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did very little. Yeah. And I, I look, I reflect back and I, I just, I just regret it. Right. I feel bad about it that I, sh- I, you know, it's just frustrating. Yeah. I should have done that. Yeah. You know. But, I mean, to be fair, you can't always be 100% intentional all the time. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you're just like, particularly, I think if you're like, right, right, you're a parent for the, you know, you're just worrying about taking care yeah. of the kid, <laughs> making sure they eat and, right, don't Absolutely. fall down. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking yeah. about the you know, things like culture and language, I think yeah. maybe a little bit under the surface. But as a grandparent, I think you have that opportunity because yeah. you don't need to worry about the kids surviving. Yeah. They have a parent to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you can just do the educating and the, the, exactly. the cultural growth and yeah. stuff. Yeah. 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 So that's cool that you're, you're getting to do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I have another grandson, but he lives in Kansas. So right, right. Uh, he doesn't have uh, that opportunity like yeah, yeah. his cousin does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, this is the thing that I sometimes think about, right? So, when you're considering a lot of the, the indigenous peoples of like the Americas, mm-hmm. um, there's so few people left that are right, first speakers that are, like, grew up uh, with the culture, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the various sort of colonial governments yeah. in the Americas have been really successful mm-hmm. in, right, colonizing folks. Mm-hmm. So how, right, given that it's, there, it seems like a very difficult task to mm-hmm. not just preserve, but to really, to, to, to reclaim and to, like, have it move back, right, that culture, that language, mm-hmm. that tradition, move back, into the forefront for, mm-hmm. you know, indigenous mm-hmm. communities. Yeah. How do you think about that, right? Like, how do you, it, it's such a, it's such, it seems to me it's such an overwhelming, daunting task. Yeah. And so yeah. how do you, how do you think about that? How do you work towards doing that? Or do you even work towards that? Or is it like something else you're working towards? I, um, that's a very good question because it's very daunting. Yeah. And, and, and the odds, you know, are against you mm-hmm. in the most part, <laughs> yeah, because there are not very many uh, fluent speakers anymore. No, you know, communities across uh, the United States and Canada, you know, really low numbers, right, right. And, and 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 such. And so, as a as a teacher of the language, I quite often, you know, I think about that. You know, how do I how do I um, create uh, speakers? Because that's the main goal. Mm-hmm. The main goal as, as an educator, as a language teacher, 
is to create speakers. Um, in my time here, the, the last 10 years I've been teaching here at Morris, mm-hmm. I've managed to um, create maybe four or five uh, of uh, students mm. that have gone on and, and have done, done something Mm-hmm. Uh, in the language area mm-hmm. uh, in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. They, they've they done work, uh, language camps, language immersion. Um, um, what else have they done? Dictionary, Ojibwe dictionary work, and those types of things. Uh, and so, um, even though that success has low numbers, mm-hmm. I feel like I've contributed a little right, bit right. to... At least you prevented the process. extinction of the language. Yes. Yeah. yes. I even had one of my uh, ex-students uh, teach for me one year when I went on sabbatical. Right, right, right. So that, you know, that helped me in, in, in that sense. And 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 also that really, um, um, I was really proud of that because I was a part of his, his learning of the language, mm-hmm. his, his, his success. And, and in turn, you know, we just kind of. Uh, worked as a team mm-hmm. and so um the question is um what keeps you motivated mm-hmm. well, even though the numbers are against you i think for me as as long as i have some impact in in the process of language revitalization mm-hmm. that's good for me i am satisfied with that right if i can um be a positive uh, uh, symbol or or role model, and that's it's good for me. Mm-hmm. If I could do something for a student mm-hmm. to learn the language, that's good for me. And so when I um, I have students in my in my classes who are have really high potential in in becoming teachers and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I work with them in in the best way that I can. That's good for me. Yeah. Uh, and as for them, if they want to uh, take it further and have that uh, positive transition, you know, that's that's up to them. Right. You know, it's a continual process. You, uh, individuals have to keep on working towards saving that language themselves mm. to, to be able to uh, learn it and sustain it and, 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 and keep it, mm. you know, and, and bring back something to their communities. And to their families, mm-hmm. you know, I get a lot of stories from these students where they go home, like for example, the holidays, and they use the language, right? And they bring back the, that positive feedback from their mothers, fathers, or grandparents, yeah. telling them, "Wow, we're we're impressed. You know, we 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 uh, like uh, what you're learning mm-hmm. in the language at campus." So those types of stories, you know, strengthen. Mm-hmm. Provide a strength and provide uh, uh, some hope, mm-hmm. you know, of 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 especially what I do and and more importantly, um, what I do for the success of that student. This brings us to a natural spot to finish up for now. To review on this episode, we got to meet Gabe DeRosiers, learn a bit about his thoughts regarding the connection between language and culture, as well as the outcomes we should be aiming towards in efforts for language preservation, reclamation, and revitalization. On the next episode of Just Sustainability, we'll continue with my conversation with Gabe. Thank you for listening to Just Sustainability. If you've enjoyed what you heard, 
Please support this podcast by subscribing and leaving a review. Just Sustainability is recorded with the support of the Institute and the Environment at the University of Minnesota. In particular, I want to thank Peter Levin and Beth Mercer-Taylor for all their help with this show. All the music on Just Sustainability is composed and recorded by Clifton Nesseth, and all the artwork was created by Kristen Nesseth. Thank you again for listening.